when I was growing up, uh, mobile phones weren't even a thing. The way you got connection, significance, variety, things like that, that really get people going, were through getting physically active. That was what happened in my country. Back then, it wasn't really focused on, hey, we need to get you healthy. It was just a school requirement. You had to be this way. Being a dad is one of the most rewarding roles we will ever have in our lives, but also can be one of the most overwhelming where we find ourselves facing the pressures of juggling the demands of our family, careers, and life. This show will feature industry experts in mental health, social services, and personal development, along with resilient dad role models, whose stories of overcoming the challenges of parenting get a new vision for the life you and your kids deserve. I'm your host, Pat Tedemeco, and this is The Resilient Dad Show. Welcome back to another episode of the Resilient Dad Show. And on season two, where we'll be taking you on the journey of self-discovery and leadership and guiding you to a life of prospering with fulfillment. Today, we have the honor of having our special guest, Juris Skiribans, who's an experienced nutritionist with a demonstrated history of working with sports industry, skilled in coaching, sales, management, teamwork, and leadership, strong community and social services professional with a master's degree focused in sports and exercise nutrition from Leeds Beckett University. Jurius, welcome to the show. Well, glad to be here. Uh, that's a strong, uh, strong start. <laughs> yeah. Um, and obviously you've been uh, my coach and trainer for the last six, seven months. Uh, so that's, that's how we, how we met. And, um, so I've had firsthand experience of, of your work, which, uh, I can definitely highly recommend. Uh, and, um, you know, thank you for coming on to discuss men's health. Uh, you know, one a very important topic, um, in, in general and obviously one that you have much knowledge on. Yeah, absolutely. So, because there is there are so many yeah. things that are unsaid uh, when it comes to men, men's health, and uh, probably would be good to open up about them more because there is a lot of stigma attached to it as well. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm here to help and uh, kind of get some clarity out there what I am yeah. looking at and what maybe people can look themselves up uh, in their spare time and what they actually should be yeah. looking at as well. So a, a bit more, um, you know, for the audience to understand, like, where did your journey start in the health and fitness industry and, you know, to, to leading to where you are now? This is always a bit tricky one. So I started to work in health and fitness industry only because people were telling me that I am good at giving advice. Uh, but it started from being born in Soviet Union because the upbringing was extremely physical. So you were emphasized to be physically and mentally strong. That's that, that was it. You couldn't even graduate school if you were not successful in sports lessons. Everything you did in sports lessons had to be graded. If you were not successful, you would be left behind for another, another year. People wouldn't care wow. if you know chemistry and physics, if you don't uh, do physical activity. So at least three hours a week, you would do something, play basketball, football, whatever, throw some balls or, and you had to be graded on that, gymnastics, everything. And if you do that every single week for 16 years or so, it kind of gets mm -hmm. engraved in you. And, and that's it. So when I first started, actually, when I got qualified as personal trainer first and then went into university, study sports science, biomechanics, nutrition, all those kind of things, uh, I already knew a lot of things 
because educational system where I was raised before we left Soviet Union and uh, be became an independent country of Latvia, uh, one of the three countries of Baltic states, was very heavily based on how to be healthy for life. We actually had uh, lessons where you had to learn how to be a man, <laughs> which uh, probably now wouldn't suit very well, but we had a class where you get this... Uh, got to learn how to be a woman and a man. So how to swap a car tire, uh, build a doghouse. Uh, wow. We even learned how to build machine guns. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, so, and when I moved to UK, uh, after a while, when we joined European Union, so why, why not explore a little bit, move to UK? And that's where I went to gyms and started to train there. And people were just asking questions. And I would just give them advice. And they would come over and say, look, I've had personal trainer for so many years and he had never told me these things you know, mm. uh, which to me were just a common knowledge just because of the country I come from. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought I'll re-educate myself, qualify properly so I can actually work legally in the industry uh, and, and just took everything up a level until a few years ago. It's six, seven years ago now. I, I got my master's degree in sports nutrition and kind of slowed down after that just to actually implement my knowledge. Uh, yeah. And this is why my, my thinking is always extremely critical in terms of understanding the difference between science and practical application. I have been training ever since I know myself, since I was this big. But yeah. in resistance training itself, uh, so weightlifting and such was from around age of 14. Uh, and I was extremely lucky being born in a country that has very low population density so you knew the best people to approach and mm. if you work hard they would come and give you advice so i never had money because i come from poor upbringing but uh, i got lucky to train in the same gym where national powerlifting coach was training and he just took me under his wing right. and just trained me for free which was yes. exceptionally great opportunity so and now when i went to university and studied everything there i actually had to do when you do your master's degree you had to you have to do a proper research. Uh, and this is uh, where I understood that what you see in research and in real life sometimes don't match mm. because research is done on very, very, very small amount of people for a very specific setting. And it only needs to be taken as a guideline. And there right. will be very small amount of research done on someone like myself. I am uh, 175 centimeters five foot eight or whatever it is in inches and feet. <laughs> not really yeah. entirely sure. And 120 kilos. So I am extremely overweight. And okay. people usually say like, oh, you, what, what are you talking about? You're not fat. And I didn't say I'm fat. I said, I'm overweight. This is not healthy yeah. to begin with. And Based the difference is that, yeah, this yeah. is that uh, people need to understand that studies on someone like myself will probably never be done. Because yeah. first of all, it's not healthy to be my size. Yeah. And then it will be hard to find ethics to put study through to get someone like myself who is literally willing to kill themselves in a gym through yeah. something that can be later passed on as a knowledge acquired in this specific setting. So when I work with someone sure. like yourself, we're always going to use science as a guideline but there will be a lot of personal input into recognizing the patterns and recognizing what might be going wrong. We, we talked of coming a little bit about blood tests, 
but those are just one of the things. So what got yeah. me into it was just needs. I, I just felt like people keep telling me that they are not getting the right service. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is easy for me. Might as well learn more about it. <laughs> and, yeah. and I'm glad I did because that exposed me to a lot of mentors that I can still talk to daily. And mentoring taught me way more than studies ever did. Yeah. Well, real life experience, as, as you're saying, there's a huge difference to theory to actual practical, uh, cause mm-hmm. everything works well in theory until it's actually achieved. Uh, or actually done. Uh, so it, it's interesting that you mentioned that during your upbringing and where, where you're, you're brought up, the physical exercise was a key element to life and, and requirement for, for schooling for you to actually pass. How, what's the difference that you see in where, you know, you brought, were brought up in that mindset in terms of that kids need to be physically active all the time compared to these days where, you know, yes, they say that kids need to be active as such, but it's not really activity. It's like, you know, go ride your bike uh, down the road mm. or go to the park for, for a little bit, but not necessarily act- active as what you were mentioning, doing, going, playing sports and, and getting off the TV or the iPad or whatever it may be. Like what's, the key differences that you see between now to then? I think the main difference is that we need to acknowledge we have this, it's based on human needs. So when I was growing up, uh, mobile phones weren't even a thing. Like later in a, in a secondary school and whatnot, they came around, but there were no Instagram or something like that. Yeah. So the, the way you got connection, significance, uh, variety, things like that, that really get people going, were through getting physically active. That, that was what happened in my country. Whereas now people can get significant connection, variety, uh, all those kind of things just through iPad. You know, that's why there is no, no actual need to change mm. those emotions in any other way. Whereas yeah. for me, I couldn't just sit at home and stare at TV. Cool. I, I would just go brain dead. You know what I mean? The, yeah. There is only so many human needs that thing can kind of satisfy for me. So yeah. physical activity was always, you are done in a group and, you know, uh, you always do something new every couple months. We, we did in school, for example, when you learn something, you learn something for a few weeks or a couple months, then you got graded on it and then you moved on to next thing. So you're always excited to do the stuff. It was yeah. never always same exact thing, every single lesson. Uh, right. And, and that's, uh, like I said, the, the difference is now that, you can get all those emotions. People always chase emotions. You can do get all those emotions just by picking up your phone now. You know, yeah. you get your variety, you get your significance, you get your certainty, you, you get everything that you were not able to get in, let's say, 10, 15, 20 years ago by sitting yeah. at home. You have yeah. to go out. Yeah, but not necessarily getting in a healthy, healthy way these days compared to before. Um, so like... <laughs> Yeah, and, and back back then, it wasn't really focused on, hey, we need to get you healthy. It was just a, a school requirement. You had to be this way. And yeah. another thing probably was that really played into my hands. We didn't have any fast food in our country. Like none, right. zero. No McDonald's, no nothing. Everything was home-cooked. Everything was homegrown. And, and that really plays a massive role in how it affects your body and 
how you actually can function. So, yeah, we can definitely talk about that later on as well. Yeah. So, like, speaking on that, so, you know, patterns are created from a young age. As you mentioned, you exercise quite regularly when you're young. You ate whole foods, not processed foods growing up. So that was already ingrained to you from, from a young age. So men who have, you know, because we've had phones for a little while now and, and, and other devices such as, you know, computers and video games, men that you see now in their sort of mid twenties to, you know, to 35, roughly that range 40, what are things mm-hmm. that you're seeing in terms of their hormone levels and just general health? Well, you, you have a lot of uh, studies out there that uh, men generally are mentally struggling to begin with. And there is often definitely a decline in testosterone, which is uh, a bit tricky one because most of the studies on testosterone are done in what I would call advanced countries. I would like to see them doing study on testosterone levels in countries where you need to fight for survival. Hmm. Because what testosterone does, it, it turns you a man. There is only so much, which means you need to be assertive, you need to be like action taken, you need to be a little bit aggressive, all those kind of things. If you live at home with your phone, food delivered, everything you ever need on on uh, in a pleasure of just one click and all those kind of things, there's only so much aggression you need in your life. Mm-hmm. There is so much assertion you need in your life. So it kind of makes sense that your testosterone levels just dip, you know? People don't even want to like create babies anymore. It's like you, Elon Musk brought it up that we're going to have crisis of human amount of on a planet and whatnot. And people laugh at it. Yeah. But when you look at it properly, like China has this one uh, child policy and whatnot. So every planet as such is aging, but it's not being so growing substituted with younger generations, so to speak. Yeah. There's this, there's much lower amount of younger people now. And, and that is directly linked to low testosterone because uh, if you have low testosterone, you have low estrogen. Estrogen for males are responsible for your sex drive. So you want to mate less. You, you're just happy to sit at home and play your PlayStation and smoke weed and so, so on. I actually mm. had one case, specific case with a, a person at 26 years age who had been smoking weed for 14 years since he was 12. And his brain had stopped sending signals to his testicles to create testosterone. <laughs> wow. So when, when he came to, he had a girlfriend and whatnot, and just, they, they had some kind of relationships and getting on for like once a month or whatever. And I, I sent him to doctors and they did a proper study. And then when they went into their behavioral patterns and they said, this is because you were smoking weed so much. You were just so chilled for so long. Your need for testosterone is not there. Your body recognizes it and it doesn't produce it anymore. So even though studies keep saying that, yeah, testosterone levels are lower than they were, let's say, 50 years ago. But then that World War, World War I, World War II, you had to be as alpha male, so to speak, as, as possible. Yeah. So your body probably responded to that by producing way more testosterone than you, you needed at that time. Well, let me rephrase that. You, it produces exactly the amount of testosterone you needed to survive. Correct. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, so when you, when you look on these uh, declining things, it most likely looks like, uh, just environmental setting rather than anything else. And as, especially, 
that's just speculation, but uh, the more calm and like the less you need to do stuff, the, the, the less your body will respond to throwing out those hormones that make you do stuff. You know, uh, you, you have uh, like homeostasis where your body balances your pH, balances your body temperature and all those kind of things. But there is also a term called like allostasis where you forcefully change your body's physiology in terms of how many hormones you produce at what time so you can execute the task. At yeah. moment, uh, people who are watching this video most likely don't need to go out and hunt for food. No. So their need to be aggressive and assertive is very low. <laughs> and body just responds to it properly. Yeah. And just like, why do we need so much testosterone? We don't need it. Simple as. It's, but uh, it, can link, it can take you down a path where you feel uh, like you're not contributing to society anymore because you're less assertive, less risk-taking, you, you get frightened, uh, then you get all these exposure to sun uh, in different times, not sun, sorry, but like screens and all these kind of things that right. send you different signals to your brain. And now you create more prolactin in, in your body just because, because it, it kind of preserves you from damaging yourself. But mm. mixture of low testosterone, high prolactin, progesterone, all these kind of things can link to depressive thoughts. So, so our body is not producing the testosterone because there's no need. So we're not necessarily, we've got nothing to have to go hunt. Mm. There's, there's a, a lack of purpose is decreased. So our body yeah. is producing what we need. And then, so the, like you're saying, so prolactin, like estrogen, uh, so the those levels increase, which bring on the, as you're saying, the thoughts of where you feel a lack of purpose and, you know, like you're mm -hmm. not contributing to society. So then is that where depression, all those mindsets? Yeah, it can, it can lead down a very, very, very dark path. Uh, and, and then you just try to seek some kind of pleasure because we, we both are well aware that people seek progress. Hmm. You know, if you're in relationships, you want something new, something happening, you know, maybe kids, maybe go on travels and whatnot. But if you stay exactly the same all the time, those relationships die, you know, yeah. same, same as your body, same with, same as everything else. So that's why people are hooked up on video games. There's always something new. <laughs> you kind of make progress all the time, but, but, uh, I, ideally, so, uh, would be for somebody to go out and seek adventures. So if you are a male, you can do all sorts, but find something that is challenging for you. Mm. So you, you never get in the path of where you just try to survive. Uh, so to, to me, most of the issues could be solved by just taking time out for yourself by doing something that is challenging you physically and mentally. And that might might massively help all society. Yeah, and so, and the reduction of testosterone levels through generations is that something that? So, you know, for instance, my great grandfather would have had X amount of testosterone, but because it's come down the line, I start with a deficit compared to what they would have 60, 70, 80 years ago. Is that pretty much? 
as we're going, if we keep going down this path and our kids and then their kids will have less and less and then that will become the norm. Is that how it's uh, that's sort what of- we see in studies? Uh, but like I said, those, those studies are predominantly done on what uh, I would say more advanced like populations. Uh, and yeah. I, would, I would really like to see that kind of study done on uh, some tribes that just live in jungle and see what, what their testosterone levels are like and see if there yeah. is actually correlation between lifestyle and testosterone levels. Like I said, yours, your levels will definitely be much lower than your granddad had because your granddad had to be always wired up. Hey, what, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if I don't get this job? What if I don't get this promotion? What if war kicks off again and these kind of things? You, you And your body's natural response is, hey, let's throw in this in a, in a charcoal, so to speak, and make sure yeah. that this guy is, is ready if something extreme happens. Uh Whereas at the moment, we, we really don't have any need for that at all. Yeah. I would uh, even argue uh, that probably would be interesting to see people in military, how mm. their testosterone levels have been affected through last decades, you know, okay. like five, six, seven. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've, I've experienced a dose of you know, depression and the – the the cure as such or the treatment was Zoloft for four years uh, and it became addictive because it was like, okay, this is, you know, relieving the pain temporarily but once you try to get off it initially, um, it's quite challenging and hard and then you, you go back onto it. How is that affecting the male hormone levels when a male goes on a medication like antidepressant to deal with those, you know, high estrogen, uh, prolactin uh, levels? Uh, personally, when I have seen some people who come to me and they have been on something like that, uh, if they stay on that, it actually dampens their testosterone levels. So you're taking something to kind of reduce effects which can be correlated to low testosterone, which suppresses your testosterone even more. So instead of depressed, let's say you are feeling more like just emotionless and you are even further enhancing that problem you had. Uh, the most of the time I just ask people to do full blood test and 99% of instances, their testosterone is very low. And then I ask them to go and talk, talk to their GP, uh, to get them on testosterone replacement therapy. <clears throat> And uh, as soon as they get on that, within a couple of weeks, they usually, they don't need anything anymore. They're like, oh, I feel great and this and that. Uh, but that's, that is an extreme approach. And uh, yeah. for whatever reason, people who are prescribing this, uh, antidepressants and whatnot, they, they are very reluctant to, to go that path, to check actual hormone levels and check your lifestyle behaviors before they prescribe you medicine. Because it's easy just to give you medicine and, hey, this is going to work. We know it's working. But we also have a hell of a lot of studies showing that antidepressants can lead to suicide. Why would you take something that's supposed to help you that can actually enhance your issue? Uh, it's beyond me, but doctors don't talk about it for, I still don't understand what reason. Maybe because uh, they don't want to study more about it. They just take whatever is told them as a at face value. Uh, 
Uh, and like I said, when, when I did my studies, I had to do like many proper study and whatnot. But what I discovered is that everything I learned in that study I did is completely yeah. relevant to anyone else. Like literally, I had to take people who were uh, in a gym for three to four years and I had to class them as uh, advanced athletes. I'm like, I'm not being funny. Three to four years, you, you're not advanced. You, you're still right. a beginner, especially yeah. if you had never had coaching from anyone else. Just yeah. because you have done some kind of sport for three to four years doesn't make you advanced in that. I have been driving cars ever since I remember, over 20 years. It doesn't mean I'm a good driver. No. Say, same applies to, to, to these things. So you need to take everything with a pinch of salt. So maybe that's why we, we have kind of lost that translation from a study to real lives that, hey, yes, yeah, these studies were done. If you take this, it, it might dampen down your episodes of feeling suicidal and whatnot. But to, to me, it's just my personal opinion. But what it looks like is it just makes you emotionless. And there's yeah. only so long you can go until you go back to starting point about what is the point of actually existence now, you know, whereas if you check your hormone levels and whatnot and start looking into, Hey, what, what are your behaviors? Like how much of time do you spend outside? What, what do you do for this? And for that, we, we all know that whenever you, let's say, uh, get depressed is probably a too strong reward, but low on mood, you yeah. will see, you will have sequence of events you're going to follow. Uh, let's say you're a 16 year old teenager who just split up with your girlfriend. You're going to come home. You're going to dump in lights. You're going to put some sad playlist. You're <laughs> going to look through some old photos, all this kind of thing, just to make yourself feel even worse. Yeah. Opposite is true. You can make yourself feel better. Yeah. You just need to recognize, Hey, I'm going into this pattern. Uh, let's delete this sad playlist from my phone. And let's put on something really powerful and enjoyable and, and do this stuff. That's why a lot of people keep telling that gym is their church or escape route or whatever, because they go there and they put a nice playlist that gives them energy. They are really involved with talking to people and all those kind of things. But then yeah. they go back home where they might have done this behavior to make themselves feel bad. And now brain clicks them. Hey, we are home. Let's put that sad playlist again. Let's think about this again. Switch those, dim those lights and let's, let's eat this cookie in a bedroom wrapped up in your blanket. You know, uh, so it, it's, it's tricky. You can link hormones and whatnot, but it, to me, it's always not just hormones, but your behavior will affect your hormones and vice versa. Yeah. Which I, comes first? I am not qualified enough to come to that conclusion. But yeah, it makes perfect sense. Like he was saying, the need for testosterone was so much more before because of the life conditions. So, and from my experience with taking the antidepressants, it does make you feel emotionless. So you're not, it blocks all those emotions that you would feel on a regular basis because you're not able to naturally regulate your emotions, your, what's going on. So if it blocks it, you feel less of a need to, you don't have more as much energy um, and, you know, less need to like have purpose, as you're mentioning. So your testosterone decreases and then I can understand how then it could relate to people being further along that line of having those, you know, those suicidal thoughts. And it's interesting, even with uh, those weight loss, this is 
a while ago, but a weight loss tablet that a doctor was trying to give me and part of it was had something to do with some sort of antidepressant, but it had the warning of this may cause suicidal thoughts. And it's like, why would I want to take anything that would give me suicidal thoughts, even if I was to lose weight? Like, what's the point of losing weight if I'm going to have suicidal thoughts? So it's like you were saying, the conditioning and, and the patterns that we create, whether it's our environment, whether it's people we associate with, whether it's in terms of like, you know, the habits, like you're saying, eating that cookie wrapped in a blanket. Like, if you're going to do that, you're going to feel like shit. Um, you're not going to have all the energy and be feeling up and and alive as if you were moving about or eating something healthy. Um, how many times have you, we've gone to celebration, filled our faces with food and then felt absolutely terrible and we just need to sleep compared to if we ate something healthy and you've, then you feel like you've got the energy to do anything. Um, so it's a great correlation that we make that in terms of behavioral patterns as well as the decrease of testosterone and the lack of purpose, how that all interlinks with one another. Um, so, so what yeah. clicked for you to kind of look further into something else apart from antidepressants? Uh, well, one was that this is not working <laughs> and, and uh, that I, I had actually some blood tests done um, just because I had some other medical issues like with, with my gut and so forth. And that brought up the low testosterone levels. So it wasn't that when I went and saw the doctor that they said, we need to do, let's do a blood test before I prescribe you anything. You know, instead of doing that, um, you know, going down that path, instead of just listening to what I'm telling him that I'm feeling and what's going on, yeah, it was just the first thing was actually the medication where because I had yeah. gut, gut yeah, issues a lot. Because I had that was the only reasons that I had the blood works done was because of my gut issues. And then from that, it was like, oh, okay, your testosterone low levels are very, very low. Um, and then that's how I got onto obviously the you know, testosterone replacement therapy because I had no like desire for intimacy at, at all, I had no energy. Mm. I was relying on sugar to, to just get me by you know, copious amounts and caffeine and so forth. Did you, did you spend and much time outside? What's that? Sorry. Did you spend much time outside when you were doing, going through all that? Yeah. Um, I, cause I was in construction at the time. I was naturally outside a fair bit. So, um, I, I, well, I did have, uh, you know, have the exposure to, you know, the sun and I was still moving because I had to, you know, walk and physical exercise. Mm. But I could only imagine if I didn't do that, how much worse I would have been. Um, yeah, absolutely. So doing nothing. Yeah. And, and so, that's what a lot of people I, I work with that I see that they go through these episodes and they make everything 10 times worse by just wrapping themselves in a bubble and never talking to anyone and all those kind of things. But... More often than not, uh, it might sound rough. Men don't want to talk. They want to do. <laughs> you know, if you put yeah. someone like that somewhere out there, like you said, in construction, you, you might be better off than actually talking to somebody oftentimes uh, because there is yeah. nothing worse than having a bad advice from someone who doesn't understand you. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And so, you know, the question that you asked, you know, was I out, outside much and so forth, what would be the difference between someone that was outdoors, you know, quite often, like I was with construction and moving, compared to someone that would have a, an office job, um, you know, that wouldn't be exposed to the sun as much and wouldn't get that ability to to be as mobile and moving around and active? Yeah, yeah, we see a lot of correlation with people who spend a lot of time outside as they are uh, having easier experience at losing body fat. They are actually feeling healthier. Obviously, if you're skin exposed to, to sun, you, you're going to get better vitamin D absorption and creation in your body as well. Uh, so at home, I live in UK and it's it's kind of winter, springish time. Uh, and it's always dark outside. And my vitamin D levels are still low, even though I supplement myself with them. So when I need to spend more time outside even now. Uh, yeah. But uh, so people who don't go outside at all, we, we know their vitamin D levels are very low. And uh, also their circadian rhythm, the way your body goes through days and how it produces hormones to get excited in the morning, be really energetic midday, and then starting to fall asleep and feeling slightly lethargic at night is yeah. messed up because your body doesn't understand what the hell is happening now. Is it morning? Is it night? Is it day? So this leads to elevated cortisol levels for extended period of time, uh, which leads to myriad other problems, uh, high inflammation, uh, poor recovery, which will lead to poor mood. And here we go again. We actually make everything worse whilst we are already in a bad place. Yeah. That's a quick summary. There's obviously a million other things happening. <laughs> yeah. And what are some of the um, the things that you see that actually help men transition from that poor state where they're not necessarily getting, you know, they're not moving as much, they're not getting exposure to the sun, they've they've you know they've got the poor bad health habits, um, you know, in terms of eating and and, and you know the list goes on. What are the things? Because, you know, these days it's there's so much thrown at us in terms of, you know, in 60 days go from, uh, from you know, fat pack to six pack and, and all these things. So what are, what are the things that you actually see that actually achieve a long-term, you know, result then in terms of men trying to, you know, look for these quick fixes when they're in that situation? First and foremost, I would say environment, even though I said, hey, men don't like to talk and whatnot. And this is why gym is great. You can go to gym, hook up with a couple other guys and never speak to them a word and have a good time. You know, yeah. uh, so that definitely helps uh, people get, get out of that bad mood and whatnot. So every time I've had a person who had these really bad blood tests and everything else, I would try to spend a lot of time with them. Hey, come and train with me, which I rarely do with anyone. But, you know, even if we didn't talk, they would feel great about it. Mm. Another thing is getting in a daily habit of recognizing good things about it. You can't feel sad and happy at the same time. 
Yeah. You can't laugh and cry. Well, you you can, but it's going to be either joyful cry or you know yeah. you're not going to be in funeral and and laugh about someone's <laughs> death. Right. And not yeah. unless you're completely messed up. Uh, so un- understanding that you need to train your brain to see what is good. There is always some kind of pattern how you get triggered to feel bad. And then how you, like I, I was talking about, stack everything else on top of it to feel even worse just to get that significance. Hey, look how bad I am. Uh, you can do completely opposite by feeling good. Just recognize something that happened in good in your life and then stack it up. But hey, I'm still alive. I have these great memories about this thing. This led me to this kind of situation. That led me to hooking up with this person or going on this adventure. And when you start thinking about that, you forget about everything else. Uh, mm-hmm. So th- those are two main things. And uh, that definitely being aware that what you see in front of a mirror is not a reflection of how you actually feel. So doing blood tests regularly is uh, is very important for maintaining not just men's health, any kind of health. You know, like we, we do yeah. blood tests all the time. Uh, I do mine every three months just to kind of acknowledge where I am. I went on a trip in December and I did blood tests just before. And it already showed me that I am going to get sick if I don't look after myself, which I had no chance to do for six days. I was in a seminar for 16 hour long uh, uh, days and then no sun exposure and air conditioning, poor nutrition, all those kind of things. And by the end of it, I got ill. I already knew I'm going to get ill. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, definitely do, doing your blood tests, exposing yourself to environments that's nurturing you in a sense of uh, good mood and acknowledging everything good that's happened in your day. You know, because most of the time, if you wake up every single day and just think about how bad your job is, how you're not making enough, and maybe your kids don't love you because you're not a millionaire and God knows what else can go through your mind. Yeah. It's not gonna go you not gonna do you any good. No. Try to if you feel bad, acknowledge, be self-aware of why you're feeling like that and what else might be happening in your days that worsens it, and do the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> that could so, be a great strategy. It's just as much as a mindset, or the mindset is just as critical as the actual physical activity. Uh if Absolutely. If I'm getting that right. So make sure you surround yourself. So when you look at the way I can describe it is if you are trying to lose weight and you come home and you have some kind of pastry, some cakes on in a kitchen on whatnot, you're starting mm-hmm. to think about it. You start to get hungry. You you start you you feel the saliva in your mouth and you're like, oh, this is gonna taste great, and your body starts to low rumbling because Every single time you see that kind of thing, your body acknowledges what's happening and it will start creating your uh, uh, hormones for uh, your hunger and all those kind of things. They're going to elevate them before you even eat. Same exact thing happens with everything else. You can train your body what kind of hormones to produce by just expecting something. Let's say you go to the gym and I send you a training plan and you go, God almighty, this is horrible. You get excited already. You go, you have high adrenaline and you're yeah. going to perform in the gym. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas if you have something that's that easy, you just go to the gym. Ah, I'm just going to flow through this. So you, your brain will directly respond to what you expect. And yeah. if you expect just how bad life is, 
your body will respond accordingly and throw out those hormones to make it even worse. Yeah, and, and I can uh, definitely um, agree with you on that one because I've seen some of the, the workouts that you sent me and I'm like, I'm going to need some serious energy for this one. Uh, <laughs> and it ends up being like nearly, you know, obviously because I'm, I'm, I'm preparing for an event, but our, like if I was to look at the program before going into the gym, I don't, I don't feel necessarily like I'm in the mood or that I'm ready for it. But as soon as I know that I look at it and my mind goes, okay, this is what we need to switch on. And then once you finish the workout, you're like, wow, like I was able to, to achieve, you know, to complete the workout and I feel great. Where before at the start, I wasn't necessarily 100%, you know, ready, excited um, for the whole thing. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It gives you a little bit of anxiety. It gives you a little bit of kind of fear that it releases your catecholamines, so adrenaline, all those kind of things. So that releases your nutrients in your in your bloodstream. So it takes maybe up to 45 minutes to really have that energy dump in your, in your body and you just go through it, you know? Yeah. Whereas if you go to gym just to go through motions, you rarely get there. You just go to gym to get tired. You never go to gym and get excited and actually enjoy it anymore. Yeah. Uh, look, today, from today's workout, I'm at the end of it, I'm the last conditioning <laughs> workout. I'm on all fours, sweating, and I'm looking at people as they're leaving. I'm like, they don't even look like they've even done anything. And I'm like, and I think that's probably why I didn't enjoy the gym for so long because mm. I didn't feel like I was pushed and challenged as, as I have been with, you know, with training with yourself for the last six, seven months. Mm. But there's always variety. So I, I, there's definitely a lot of variety there. Uh, there's definitely growth because of you know the progress and even with the injury that I had last year, still being able to can maintain that that you know that growth and, and not allow it to affect, affect everything else. Um, and I definitely feel significant about myself once I finish it because I feel like I'm on top of the world. Yeah, because if you're only one on that floor sweating, you you're gonna be so significant in that gym. It's beyond imagination. Yeah, but. Another another thing that I've experienced with training with yourself, which I I didn't really see how much value was in it, the fundamental basics of body movement and being able to control your body and how important that is compared to trying to just jump on a bench and push ridiculous weights to just show that you can lift, you know, weight, but not actually being able to have good body control and how much the basics actually helped me, you know, with the foundations I needed to be able to, you know, do more than I've that ever done before at the age of, you know, 37. Um, so can you explain a bit more about that in terms of the, the, the actual understanding of what is really important to, to build good, healthy, you know, bodies and for, for not only strength, but, you know, obviously longevity. Yeah, people people tend to forget uh, all the great new things, which probably people look at you and think you do something fancy, is actually well forgotten old. Uh, I have the training style from my upbringing, from my school. We did basic stuff uh, like hops, uh, jumps, little sprints, walks, crawls on your all fours. 
just to warm up every single time we, we started sports lessons and then we would go out into gymnastics or play basketball or volleyball or whatever. Uh, it's extremely important because uh, when you do any kind of compound movement, all your little accessory muscles are the ones that might give up. So you might have really strong chest, but if your shoulder is not up to par, you, you got to pull something. So doing push-ups is probably going to add to your bench press way more results than just doing bench press on its own. Yeah. Uh, and also uh, being spatially aware is something that people never train. So one of the things, uh, what, what I sometimes ask my, my guys to do is just stand on one foot, close your eyes, and how long you can stand there without falling over. And people are surprised how actually tough it is just to stand on one leg. With open eyes, it's great. Close your eyes. You don't have any spatial awareness anymore. Yeah. And you just go all over the place. And uh, it's one of the reasons why so many people who go to gym and look extremely buff and train and whatnot, and then they sneeze and pull their back because yeah. they have never trained those little tiny muscles that are involved in day-to-day -day life. Hmm. You know, it's like uh, Kimi Raikkonen, his wife once gave uh, an interview, what F1 champion, and she said, he can't reverse a car. We have a roundabout at home in our front yard so we can turn the car around because he don't know how to reverse a car. So we just one dimensional. He knows how to go wow. fast forward. That's it. You know, and that's what people do in a gym. They just know how to go fast in one direction and that's it. Whereas my goal is to kind of teach people that, hey, when you go to age of 50, 60, 70, 90, whatever, you won't be in a gym pushing those hard weights, but you still mm. want to pick up your grandkids, pick up your dog or whatever, you know, being able to do day-to-day -day things without anyone else's help. And if you don't look after that now, you're just going to have a much harder uh, way of life when, when you get older. And uh, yeah. as Weird as it sometimes feels like, hey, I'm wasting my time on doing these things. People who actually incorporate body body weight stuff into their training sessions uh, tend to be much stronger than those who don't. That's that's just given. Yeah. So we don't. It, so really, for people starting with the basics, such as body weight movements and making sure that you've got them, is far more important than joining a CrossFit gym yeah. straight away. And, 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 and the biggest challenge is because. Ego gets in the way. Oh, I want yes. to squat two plates aside, whatever terms they use. You know, you have specific language in, in a gym and CrossFit gym or whatever. So they always want to do this to, to feel significant. But great thing with you, you have a goal in mind. So that need for immediate significance is much lower than feeling significant once you're going to be in that event. So you're pushing put yeah. away your ego and now you're doing the right thing for the task at hand. Whereas a lot of people join a gym and they never have that kind of goal and they just want to have immediate significance there and then. So they leave that stuff away. Hey, why should I do push-ups when I can do bench press? Why should I do some bunny hops when I can do leg press? And yeah. in a long run, it just fires back on them. And uh, there is only so much weight you need to use to be healthy. But when yeah. ego gets in the way, you always do something silly that just harms your joints. You overuse them and you end up with injury, which yeah. is never a smart idea. So a 
So really a, a male in their 40s, 50s doing those the fundamentals and looking after those kind of things can actually live a lot healthier and it can actually be stronger physically than a 20-year-old trying to do all these other things and, and not looking after the basics and like you're saying, they're not the, the key sort of the, the small, small muscles that actually help build the, that actual strength. They're not, they don't have any of that at all. Yeah. And when you look on the uh, best athletes on a planet, what they usually do is they progressive their strengths and kind of athleticism up until age of 25. Now with the science and everything up to until age of 30. And afterwards, it's it's maintaining it as long as you can. Uh, Tom Brady coins the term playability, which mm. is basically now you, when you are younger, you maybe spend fifty to seventy percent of just being strong and jacked and just as as physically empowered as you can, because your hormones are really geared up towards recovering quick. You don't have much stress. You don't need to look after kids. You don't need to do anything else. You just go eat, train, go home to your mom. She's going to cook for you and everything's fine. Once you get to adulthood, now you need to look after yourself. You, you run a business. You work for something. If you are in sports kind of team, you, you have a responsibility to perform well. So there are a lot of external stresses. Now your ability to gain strength and gain muscle slows down drastically. Now you need to really focus on how long you can maintain this. Because let's be honest, only so strong you need to be in life. There's no need for anyone to bench press 200 kilos. It's just silly. You know, as long as you can maintain your body weight, it's it's great. And and now it becomes how long you can maintain this. Because the older you get, the more... uh, what, what happens first is you start losing appetite. So your protein intake uh, diminishes. You, when you don't eat enough protein, your muscle regeneration slows down. Uh, when muscle generation slows down, uh, regeneration slows down, you, your, your strength starts to go down. If you're not as strong, you're, now your bone density starts to disappear because you're not using so much resistance anymore and so on and so forth. So, uh, and you can put that on a pause, so to speak, by just being more active now and trying to maintain that. I've had a client who once said to me, oh, I I don't make any progress anymore. And I'm like, you are 45 years old with two kids. One one is just a couple years old. You played rugby for all of your life. You are beaten up inside and out. You are Mm -hmm. the leanest, strongest, and fastest you've ever been. And you are not getting worse. This is your progress. Yeah. Like what, what else do you expect at this age? At this age, you should be real. And, and you look apart from all your friends whom you played rugby for 10, 20 years. And, and then it kind of opens their eyes like, Oh, damn it. I never thought about it this way. Because what we see in social media is six week transformation, 12 week transformation, whatever. Whereas yeah. you, you are an older guy now. You need to focus on having, being a really valuable person for your society, for your family, for everything like that. And just staying healthy. And that is progress because most of the people that like their late 40s, 50s, they just start to fall apart. Yeah. So looking more for longevity, uh, like you're saying, we don't all need to, there's no need to bench press 200 kilos um, because that's actually not going to help you (laughs) on your day-to-day life. But if you're able to maintain and not 
digress and, and get worse in age, then obviously that's a win in itself. And probably like what you're saying, looking for the good things in everything instead of looking for what you're not, what you actually don't have and what you're not actually achieving. Yeah. Um, it seems like that mindset is, is, is crucial, especially as you're getting older. You froze a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, uh, I think we're back. Um, so, so if I'm a, a dad, as you're saying, young kids, I've got a business. What are the what are the in terms of three three things that you'd say to to them as a fundamental to be able to just maintain a good healthy lifestyle uh, and things to look out for um, to be able to you know keep that progress and, and not be going backwards. So they, they're, they're feeling healthy, they're feeling fit, um, and they're able to give the energy that their families need as well as, you know, their businesses and all their careers that they're in. Number one thing that I tell everyone who has uh, their own business, family and kids is if you have kids, you have unfair advantage over everyone else because now you have free cardio equipment. <laughs> and Zycario equipment can be made in a lot of fun things. You can go play some ball. You you can do all sorts. Even if you go and play some arcades with your kids, whatever. Uh, it, people don't understand that to be fit and healthy, you, you don't need to spend time in gym. You just yeah. need to be physically active. Yeah. And if you have kids, now you can kill two birds with one stone, stone so to speak. You can get to yeah. connect with your kids and be yeah. physically active. Use that as often as you can. Plan two, three evenings in a week with your kids and just go outside and play something. Dude, when I was growing up, I was doing that every single night. Yeah. Like we uh, we were living in a 12-flat building and uh, there were like younger couples, so to speak, in their 20s, like late 20s, early 30s, who would come out and bring all kids outside every single night and we would play some kind of games. That's, right. That was another reason why everyone was healthy. You are always being involved in that. So yeah. if, if you're busy and you have kids and you, you want to kind of set uh, some kind of example, get those kids involved with you, you know, show yeah. them, hey, this is how I maintain my, long, uh, my health. You know, this is how I maintain my energy. Another thing is uh, what I always emphasize is if you want to stay fit and healthy, focus on eating like an adult, and taking your resistance training or CrossFit training or any kind of athletic training as a child, make it your playground. Don't go there too serious about like, oh, yes, this is, I'm going to die for this. And you hear all kinds of weird things. You, you know, it's just silly things people talk about. No, make it fun. You know, play, play around with it. Like I, if I have some kind of training partners, we will not talk whilst we are training, but between sets, we'll just joke around. Make it entertaining. Yeah. And uh, with, with nutrition, a lot of times uh, people go into fasting, detoxing, all the crazy things. Uh, more often than not, you don't need to do anything like that. If you get uh, everything at home, that is something that you need to prepare. So let me say you, you need to cook your burgers or cook your pasta or peel your potatoes or whatever. If you have those kind of foods at home, there is very small amount of chance that you will overeat that. Hmm. Instead of coming, coming home and you have a cheesecake there lying about and all those kind of things. Uh, 
then calorie counting becomes even irrelevant if you are disciplined enough to not hold at home foods that are highly processed, uh, can affect your appetite, can give you like wrong satiety signals and everything else. So let's say, for example, if you come at home and you sit at home with all your lights on in front of TV, it sends the wrong signal to your brain that you are in the middle of the day now, that you need extra energy, even if you're well fed. Yeah. And now your body will crave some kind of sugary stuff. And we're like, oh, okay, I have a pastry in, in, in a cupboard. I'm going to go and get that. If you don't have anything like that, if you need to go and boil a bloody potato, <laughs> there's very, very low risk of overeating your calories and now starting to form adipose tissue, which increases your uh, rate of aromatase uh, production in your body, which converts your testosterone to estrogen. And here you go again down the really dark road about feeling moody, even depressed, uh, easily irritated, and so on and so forth. So for someone who is uh, looking into getting healthier, fitter, spend as much time as you, you can outside with your kids. Yeah. Uh, define and live by example of eating like an adult and approach your fitness and health in a terms of this being your kind of back to the childhood approach. You know, it doesn't have to be through resistance training. It can be going out and shooting basketball. It can be doing some sprints on the backyard with your dog. Uh, many other things you, you can do. Right. Don't overcomplicate anything. It needs to be fun. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, they're, they're great tips. And, um, look, yeah, I appreciate you obviously coming on the show and giving us all this great information. And I'm definitely, uh, you know, I can – uh, vouch for you know what you believe in in terms of your, your training methods and everything because I'm 37 stronger than I've ever been before and fitter than I've ever been before so uh, definitely definitely have uh, had the benefits from from uh, from working with you so if if people want to reach out and connect with you what's the best way for them to connect Best would be probably Instagram. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Facebook. I use Facebook. I use Twitter, uh, YouTube. Uh, you can find really good information on YouTube, what they can follow straight away and which will change their life if they do. Uh, Instagram would be the easiest. Uh, next after that would be uh, an email because on Instagram, okay. I have links how to get in, in touch with me on, in my bio. Uh, and probably LinkedIn would be number three. So Instagram email LinkedIn number three and uh, Facebook. I rarely read any messages there because I don't have it on my laptop and on my phone. I don't have a messenger. Yeah. I might get notifications such and such because messaged you, but I have no way of opening it. <laughs> so yeah. the easiest way will be the, definitely uh, going through my social media on Instagram and, and emailing me. Okay. And, and your YouTube channel, which you said has got heaps of inf information and definitely worth um, having a listen to. What What's that channel called? It's just my name. So Yuri Skrivans. Okay. Uh, I know it's it's hard to, hard to pronounce it, uh, but just type yeah. it in my name and uh, people will be easily, easy to find. Oh, we'll, we'll chuck the link definitely uh, in the description uh, below for, for people to, to go to. Um, but yeah. 
definitely anyone, if, if you're genuinely serious about changing your life with your health, uh, I highly recommend uh, Juris to, for you to, to go and connect with him because uh, it's made a huge difference in my life and, and I'm sure he'll also uh, make a huge difference in yours. So th- thanks again for being on the show and everyone, um, as always, remember, you're stronger than you think you are. Stay resilient. Hey, everyone. I really appreciate you listening to today's show. It means a lot to me that you are part of the journey and mission to help fathers be the best dads possible. I'd really appreciate it if you review the show and share it with someone you genuinely believe could benefit from this content. Please visit resilientdad.com for more content and resources as we build this community for dads everywhere.